And I yes. just have to start out by asking, did you ever expect it to get this big? Uh, I did not expect for it to get this big, but I, I hoped that it would because that's the only way that you can get attention from these corporations to make any changes, which I don't even know if they will make changes because of it, but I hope they do. Um, but the only way to get their attention is negatives. So at the time I'm recording this podcast, um, probably a week has passed where uh, there was this viral resonance uh, that's gone through the ether, and it's by an actual flight attendant. And I'm assuming it was—I want to assume it was American Airlines, but I could be wrong—that she gave the resonance to. Um, it's. A very lengthy and long resignation. It's about, I printed it out. It's about a page and a half. So it goes beyond just, hey, I'm giving my two weeks. Thanks for the time here and blah, blah, blah. She's basically just sounding off about the airline itself and the industry and its practices and things that they just need to do better um, with their environment, their company, uh, morale, their co- what do they call it? Culture. So, um, of course, I'm not going to read this whole thing. I'm just going to go through some of the points of this resignation. And uh, that's what I'm going to do in this podcast. So, yeah. Um, her name... Wow, I can't believe her employee number's here, too. <laughs> her name is Angela, uh, forgive me, Angela, Andocrine, Andre, Andreshin. I don't know how to find out the correct pron- uh, pronunciation, because I actually have a YouTube clip where she's being interviewed by a flight attendant YouTuber, and uh, I'll be playing some clips from that as well, so they're talking to the actual Angela. And she actually explains like some of what she's written in this um, resignation. But anyway, she starts it off with, I woke up to my letter of resignation to my airline pretty much going viral this morning. Wow. I'm reposting it here so my friends can share this. I hope this goes all the way to the media. It's time for a change. Now, I don't know if she's talking about she woke up to the resignation going viral. Like, did she give them the resignation and they somehow made it public and then it went viral or... She gave the airline the resignation and then she posted it somewhere. But then now she's saying she posts. I don't know. I'm confused by this. But anyways, um, it starts off. I always thought I would be a flight attendant until I retired from the workforce. But here I am writing my letter of resignation nine years later. As of March 1st, I am terminating my employment with this airline. I feel that this will fall on deaf ears, but on the small chance that my voice will be heard, I would like to explain how this happened because things need to change. And you need to do better. Now, I'm just going to stop right here. Like, wow. <laughs> I don't know. When I'm ready to get my um, retirement letter, I don't know. 
I mean, I got a lot of things to say. But I don't know if I'm going to waste my time and energy on putting out something like this. But hey, it needed to be done. All right, so I'm going to continue on. So it says, right now, this company still has a lot of senior flight attendants who will stay until the bitter end. My generation will not, and we are seeing that already. This job appeals to a really idealistic group of people who want to travel and think that this job is a great way to be able to do that. I was a 24-year-old bartender with a sense of adventure and half an English literature degree when I applied to the airline. So she goes on about, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase some of this. She goes on about how she, well, that's got to be American. Because she says something about how she goes on seven and a half weeks of unpaid training. Un- Whoa. So almost two months of unpaid training. Wow. Now I will tell you, when I went to my uh, this regional care that I work for, we did have some paid training. That was a lot of money, no, but it's enough money to uh, to carry you through for like you get your meals and stuff like that. You ain't gonna be paying no bills necessarily, but it is paid training, so I will say that. But yeah, so she says that the almost eight weeks of unpaid training should have been a red flag. Way to get their attention is negatives. Negative media, negative posts that go viral, things like that. So I also just want to begin by saying that I, you know, I wrote this letter for everybody who's still in the industry, everybody who I'm leaving behind, all of my friends who are there. And this is industry wide. It's not just at my airline. I don't have a dog in this fight anymore. So, you know, putting this out there was not for me. It's for them. And I just want them to know, you know, I wanted to be a voice now that I can use my voice without being afraid of getting fired for speaking out. I didn't want to just tuck my tail between my legs and walk away without trying to, trying to make a, trying to make a change. Um, She goes on to say that they went to the charm farm after leaving for their jobs, leaving apartments, their lives. And of course, you know, when you go to be training, you got to get all the way through training plus um, IOE. And that's just IOE, for for most of you that don't know, it's called initial, uh, initial operating experience. So you go through your ground school and all that training, all the book stuff, all the um, evacuation drills and all that kind of stuff. And then you graduate, but you must complete the IOE, the initial operating experience which you're actually on the aircraft with a working crew that already experienced and you go through that actual day and work as a flight attendant and then you get signed off from there. You gotta make it through there too. So anywho. Uh, where was I? <laughs> yeah, so it's, there's no guarantee. You gotta make it through the ground school first and then you gotta make it through IOE. So I guess she was saying in this resonation too that in training they were told about like the uh, fantasy part of the job and that they're going to be having these fancy overnights with palm trees and in the islands and maybe Paris and all that kind of stuff. And what she says that later in her career, what it would really get down to is what was accept, this is what she put in quotations, accept unacceptable things and just deal with it unquote (laughs) okay 
So she talks about, you know, they were off two months of unpaid training. They were thrown on reserve after being assigned to, like, expensive cities. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And obviously, after nine years in the industry, it was probably a very tough decision to finally just walk away. And so I'm just curious, what was that point where you knew that this was it? I had been feeling like every time I came into work, I did not want to be there. And Mm -hmm. that's not like me. I'm a really positive person. I can usually find the joy in literally anything. And I was not no matter how deep I was digging, I just couldn't find it at work anymore. Yeah, you with a major carrier? Of course they're going to have bases in these expensive cities. But she goes on to say her first paycheck was 500 bucks. On to say her first paycheck was 500 bucks. And you ain't getting another one until two weeks later. So, yeah. You know, I need to do some. Let's see what the, uh, the turnover rate for flight attendants are these days. It's gotta be pretty high because you don't I mean some people go um some people get these jobs for a change and they want the flight benefits and blah 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 but like you got to be able to take care of yourself too and if you're seeing weak paychecks like this from a major carrier and you got another two weeks to go (laughs) yeah honey there's gonna be some turnover okay may wait it out a little bit but you ain't waiting it out that damn long but anyway, she goes on saying, you know, despite her salary issues, her benefits, to enjoy her, you know, her first few years. And she stayed in youth hostels on vacations and in Europe. And, you know, she enjoyed her layovers and things like that. It was just every time I walked in the door, I did not want to be there. And pretty much without fail, every single person that I spoke to felt the same way that I did. So I started to realize that there was something deeply wrong that was going on. Yeah. Um, and. And obviously, I know that you mentioned um, in your letter that things had changed drastically since COVID. So do you feel like your want for not being at work was because things had changed so much or you honestly just felt like you had outgrown, you know, the career? I truly believe that it's because things have changed so much in the industry. So, yeah. Now she talks about, don't mind me flipping this uh, printed printed copy of a resonation over you guys gonna hear that sound in the background but yeah when she talks about these you know expensive cities for these bases now depending on what airline she's talking about if let's just she is uh, resigning from american she you know there's philly there's new york LaGuardia. i don't know if they take on jfk as well they may that's new york city right there philly you got uh dallas chicago Los Angeles, um, and I think, speaking of expensive cities and being able to maintain a staff in these cities, an airline staff, at least with the flight attendant group, um, I believe I remember hearing a story, or seeing a story in the news not that long, a few months ago about how there were issues with United Airlines and their flight attendants having a San Francisco base because San Francisco it's expensive as we go off whole freaking state of California. It's expensive. And that's how people are like, screw you, Cali. I'm out. I cannot afford to live here. Going to Idaho, going to Austin. And some people are moving to Tennessee, whatever, because the cost of living is outrageous. Um, there's a big homeless problem out there. 
is just or what it seems to be from the news media chaos. So if that's true, yeah, you can't be expected. I mean, I have a friend that works for United, and I don't know how the hell she lives out there. She's based in San Francisco, but she actually lives in Sacramento. I think it's like a two-hour drive or something to San Fran. But whether even in uh, like Sacramento, like her boyfriend's a firefighter, and he makes about $150,000 a year. She's like, that ain't enough. And she makes what she makes at United. She's been there maybe just a, a little over five years. And, you know, the money's it's not good, especially for that damn state. So, but if she's talking about, like I said, you know, American Airlines, I just named those expensive cities. Well, Charlotte's one. Charlotte is starting to get up there a little bit because it became a popular place for people to move to because it was a little cost of living now because a lot of people are moving there or more people are moving there cost of living is going up in charlotte north carolina uh there's just no support for the flight attendants out there you know anything that we anything that i've needed personally during my career you know, I've had some great managers and I'm not saying everybody in management is horrible. They're not. There's some that really, really want to help. But yeah, it's just changed. It's just changed so much. It's just become such a a place that doesn't care about their employees or their passengers. That's a very deep statement. Yeah. Sure. Well, you feel it from the passengers because uh, one of the things about this job is that you are interacting with so many people. If you're working multiple legs a day, you're interacting with, you could interact with up to a thousand people a day and you're interacting with people who are in the Easily. most stressful moments of their, you know, of their week, of their month, whatever, because airports are stressful from the time that you walk into the door. So dealing with all of that energy, I mean, that really weighs on you. And then on top of that, when people are coming to you with all of these these problems and issues that you have no resources to fix and then they get angry at you it's a lot it's a lot if she's talking about delta yes expensive ass cities uh i don't know about so much about detroit but boston that base los angeles minneapolis st paul um you got new york city so they they cover both airports jfk and LaGuardia. then you have seattle Seattle, Washington, you know it's expensive. So, you know, to her point, yeah, she's correct. So she was saying also, she goes on to talk about how, you know, it takes her about, it took her about five years to become somewhat financially stable. And then here comes COVID. And, you know, we all know how COVID changed our lives. And she goes on about that. Um, though, this is something all crews, whether you're regional a major carrier, international, um, domestic, whatever. Like, you know, we got some of our, you know, we were still flying with, you know, almost barely or empty cabins in the beginning of COVID and you would get stranded in some city and then everything's closed. There's no food. Um, so that was an issue for us. And then she talks about, you know, how we were asked to mask up and police and try to calm everyone's fears which is unbelievable. And yes, she talks about how some passengers lost their minds. It's of heavy. Course, it's frustrating. It really, mm-hmm, it really affects your... Mm-hmm. Now, I know that you would finally come to the decision to resign from the airline, but I guess when you decided to make the note, the resignation letter, 
were you really just trying to get the attention of management or did you really want to blast the airlines and let the public know, hey, this is how we're being treated? Like, what really were your motives? And while they're losing their minds, trying to kill each other over masks and all that kind of stuff, we're worried about losing our jobs, you know? My company, my regional, and like many other carriers, asked for some voluntary leaves. I mean, now mind you, this is during um, the pandemic leave, so you would go on unemployment and then people were getting an extra $600 until that got cut off and was not renewed and that whole fiasco. But yeah, that was some craziness and I agree with her on this so far. And a lot of flight attendants that have read this letter, this resignation, agree with this woman pretty much 100 and so far, so good. There's nothing I disagree with. And she goes on about, you know, how people were taking voluntary leaves of absence, what I, which is what I just talked about. And I did so myself as a flight attendant. I took a little bit of that leave. You know, like, hey, I've been flying for so long. I deserve a break. And that's what I did. And, you know, what's pathetic, taking that um, voluntary unemployment, that... You did make more money sitting at home than actually going to work. How ridiculous. I wish I had taken it sooner and longer because I would have been able to have like an emergency from, fund from that actually. And I had a little bit, but you know, not that much. So then she goes on about, you know, all some flight attendants came back, displaced from their bases and forced to commute. Yeah. That was a crazy nightmare. So when the airlines kind of like shut down for a little bit and there were barely any flights going out and people got sick of being in their homes for two or three months. And then flying came back with like a passion and everybody was flying despite them having forced to wear masks and the whole thing. Because people everywhere, these airports were packed. My motive was really to... And I knew that this wasn't going to happen, that management would see what was going on and that they would, somebody would read, read my letter and be like, oh man, this is not good. You know, let's make some changes. But, you know, that's really not the way to get things done. So it did turn into like, hey, let's blast the airline and let people know exactly what's going on. And I worked on this letter for a long time. <laughs> a long time being? Well, about a month. So I ended oh, wow. up taking time off. Um, I, I called out sick because obviously they denied my personal leave. Um, I did not feel like at that point I knew that I was ready to go because I just felt like I was so disregarded. You know, my situation, I think, really deserved compassion or at least somebody to call me and, you know, ask me, you know, I had some big family stuff going on that I really wanted to be there for. So I knew at that time that I was done. So I wasn't going to go through like the process of applying for FMLA and jumping through hoops and everything. So I ended up calling out sick for a month just to make sure that I truly wanted to walk away from this career because nine years is a long time to invest seniority, okay. benefits, all those kinds of things. Um, so this letter started out as a journal entry, basically, that was just like word vomit at first. Um and so when that happened, we have a lot of people that come to this airline. Not all these people are hired out of these cities. They're hired from someplace else and they choose to commute. And 
that can be a freaking nightmare, especially during COVID with so many flights going out and then everything going out full like it did when, when the flying came back in June or July. I don't know, my memory is kind of fuzzy at this point. I, I try to, I kind of try to put the pandemic, excuse me, the pen, I call it the pandemonium out of my mind. I mean, of course, I'm not going to ever forget it, but hey, it happened. I just want to move on from it. I really do. Like, I'm going through my iPad, getting rid of all the pictures with me wearing masks and other people wearing masks. I just don't want to think about it. I'm never going to forget it. It's probably the most freakiest time I've had on this planet. One of the strangest. And, uh, yeah, I just like to forget about it for a little bit. Seriously, so we can all move on with our lives. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry about that rant there, but yeah, that's how I feel about it. Um, and she talks about how some people are displaced from their bases, like I said. She's talking about forced force to commute, like when they didn't commute before, now they have to commute. On standby flights that were completely full. Now I heard, so this can't be Delta, this can't possibly be Delta, just because I had heard that um, Delta, since they were having trouble getting their employees um, to work with this whole commuting thing and flights being full. They made an agreement with their employees to have them, uh, if they commuted, they could get to work space positive. So they would have a seat. They wouldn't have to non-rev. And that way their flights were covered. That's what Delta did for the employees is what I hear or what I have heard. AA, not so much. And that's just for me hearing other American Airlines employees talk about how comparing America to Delta and what Delta was doing and what AA was not doing. So and she goes on about, you know, delays, set time and regular operations, time generally spent at work while being unpaid had increased exponentially, exponentially. And, uh, and she says she spent like about five hours on a plane more than one time and not being paid. She goes on talking about her record, or bleh, her record was pretty much spotless for about nine years. And of course, she, she tried to be the best flight attendant. Hell, babies. My moms are traveling alone. I'm telling you right now, I try not to hold people's children, especially like during the flight. Because, you know, turbulence can happen at any time. And I don't want to be responsible for, you know, someone's baby getting hurt. I'll try to help you and assist you, but. I really try not to hold babies. That's just my personal thing. But yeah, she goes on about how, you know, trying to be in a good flight attendant, helping people out and things like that. But she feels, even doing good things, that she's just a number at the airline itself. And those things go under the radar. And then, and if you're just a number, she says, that no one really cares about you. You're just a cog in the machine. In that matrix. So, she goes on about she finds uh, she had found herself needing some time off to take care of her, uh, her grandfather. And she needed to move across the country and things like that. Well, ultimately, she basically says that she put in for a leave of absence, a personal leave of absence. 
and it was denied like immediately like she put in for five people um, i'm just making this part out she put it in for the day before and it was immediately denied the very next day But, you know, she goes on about how, you know, there was another flight attendant. She knows that wanted some time off to be on a TV show. And um, they got that granted. But she's dealing with heavy life stuff. Like, you know, caring for a parent or a grandparent that needs hospice care. And they're like, no, denied. So I'm going to read to you what she says in the final thought. Because she says, you know, just before this, that out of respect for her family and of other flight attendants that she... Um, in her original post that she added out a lot of the stuff so she wouldn't you know put people's names and things out there oh before I even get to this part um, she says that what I want people to know is that there is a high suicide rate in this industry meaning the airline industry and that it still does not seem to make the company take the mental health of their employees seriously even when some trouble some terrible things have happened right under their noses So she goes, I will end this with a final thought. Good luck finding people who will work for scraps and care for such a large number of unhappy customers every day. You treat them just as badly as you treat your overworked and underpaid employees and then leave us all a, all to clean up your mess. You don't give us the resources to fix. I am one of the many who are done being part of the machine. I know that no one will care but you are losing a really good employee and I know of many more who will be following me. I deserve better. We deserve better. And you know, Angela and her employee number. So I'll just leave it at that right there. Um, since I assume most of the people, most of my 11 listeners <laughs> Are part of the you know the airline public, the average Jane or Joe, or Jimmy, and uh, just give you an idea of like the life that it's like. Because people know that you know you see us passing cokes around and drinks, but it's way more to that, and we deal with so much craziness that you have no idea. But I mean, it doesn't take much to be kind when you fly to the flight tent at the gate agent. The ground personnel, the ramp, other passengers, patience is key. It could be worse. We could still be in that pandemonium. And it's over. Kinda. Sorta. So far. So let's just get on with it. And I will be putting the link to the YouTube uh, flight attendant interview in the description. So you can check it out for yourself.